Hi, I'm Debbie Georgettis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk? Today, we're going to talk about the GOP's quandary, what to run on in 2020, leftism destroying America, and in 2020, double down on truth. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Yesterday after my show, I got in the car and I had a planned call with a friend who is very involved in politics on the conservative side, works with various candidates and on messaging and things like that. And what we talked about for over an hour was the idea that here we are in 2020. We have President Trump up for re-election, of course, in November, and the entire U.S. House and the Senate, the control of the Senate is in you know, in play, of course, because of the uh, number of people who are up for re-election, the Republican side in the Senate. And we were talking about, you know, what is it we think would appeal to Americans? And especially, you know, the suburban vote, the concern that you hear people express that there is a unwillingness or questioning among, among people living in suburbs, um, and especially women in suburbs, why they would vote Republican or what their concerns are. How do you, how do you talk to them about where we are in America? So we had a pretty in-depth talk and a bunch of policies and messaging and such. But it got me thinking more and more about the idea that if you step back a little bit and look at just where we are today and what we're watching happen, you see destruction and riots in the streets in Democrat-run cities around this country. I'm not talking about one little eruption at Berkeley. I'm talking about Democrat-run cities, violence and destruction in the streets. You have massive violence. You have a movement to defund the police, which even among many leftists, they kind of are quietly whispering, even there was a spokesperson for the Congressional Black Caucus saying, that is the dumbest slogan I ever heard. But defund the police, very trendy, very popular. You have all sorts of things like the cancel culture. You have threatening conduct by the American left. You have repression by social media. All these things you think people be watching and would say, wow, you know, I can't believe that anyone is even worried about the elections in the fall. I mean, America really cannot want to go down the path that it seems like we're going down. I, and that is what I have, was thinking after we were finished running through policies and messaging. But the idea of what is it that would possibly cause people in the suburbs or anywhere in America, in the big cities where the violence is occurring, what is it that would resonate with them in the fall and, and more particularly help them understand the danger presented to America by what the left is proposing and what they're telling you they're going to do. And so that's kind of what I want to focus on today. I want to talk about, because I think you, if you listen to my show, you're probably very politically active. You have a lot of friends who are politically active. You're always thinking about ways to talk to your non-politically active friends. And you're always trying to think of ways of explaining the ideas, the issues uh, to people. I also want to mention on this, um, as time is, I'm going to close out my first five with this uh, point. There is polling that, sh that shows, that claims to show, that uh, President Trump is 
lagging behind Joe Biden, that supposedly if the election were held tomorrow, Joe Biden would win the swing states, or at least a sufficient number of them, that Trump is lagging in the polls. And so, you know, people then really get panicky and they think, oh my gosh, how could that possibly be? How could it be given everything we know? And I think there's a gloom setting in among some, not just elected officials in Washington, but a gloom setting in even among Republican voters, just in the average average Joe uh, American, you wake up in the morning, you think, "Wow, the country just seems like it is breaking down. It is in, you know, it's in turmoil. We have uh, un- incredible racial tension. We have uh, massive violent marches happening in this country. We have, you know, we just it, it seems like the country is just such a mess." and people feel a little bit gloomy. They get to the point of thinking, I don't know how we're ever gonna pull out of it, and I don't know how the Republicans are going to win in 2020. I don't know how the Republicans are gonna be able to hold off the mob that is coming from the left, the issues, the policies the leftists would bring to our country if they were to win the White House, the Senate, and the House. I think there's a gloom and a concern setting in And I want to say one last thing about these polls. You know, America is always um, having, we have polls, first of all, I know plenty of you email me and say, don't listen to polls, don't worry. You can't listen to every poll, but you also cannot ignore all of the polls. I think that's really important to understand. But the other really um, kind of deep thought, and I want to weave it in in our discussion today, has to do with the idea of where we really are in America in terms of the differences between the left and the right. You know, when America has been in wars in the past, when we had an external enemy, you know, we had back the Revolutionary War, we had the British, we had, you know, the the myriad of enemies we had in World War II, fighting Germany, Japan, Italy. You know, we had times during war we could see the enemy and we could identify the enemy because they wore a particular uniform and, and in many cases spoke a particular language. But we are very legitimately and honestly in a war within America, within the boundaries of our country, a war for the very identity, the heart and soul of America. I know that even leftists use that term. Even Biden talks about that, which I don't know what he means by it. I don't know if he knows what he means by it, but I'm gonna tell you what I mean. There is an America, the real America, the America of the founding, that actually respects the rule of law, that actually provides individual freedom with individual responsibility under God, that provides rights to each individual simply because they were born as recited the Declaration of Independence, that strives every day to make America a more perfect union, to improve the problems that we do have, to to have a rule of law that applies to everyone, to have a just society, to have a society where freedom is the rule and the norm and the assumption and the freedoms of speech and religion and the freedoms that flow from free markets are the given, the assumption. That's the real America. Where the left is in this country today. And when I say the left, the Democrat party, which has been completely consumed by the Marxist radical left in this country, the vision they have for America's future is nothing like the vision that America was founded on and the vision that the Republican Party tries to move forward. Not perfectly, not always uh, consistently, but uh, there are very two very radical, radical different, uh, radically different images of what America could become. The war happening in America, people talk about it's a battle of ideas, and it is kind of, or it's, it's not just a battle of policies, 
It is a battle of ideas, but at, at its core, it really is a battle for the identity of America, for the idea of whether or not we in America today can hold on to this precious, extraordinary experiment in human liberty that started their founding and is greatly threatened today. The question in 2020 is, are we able to, those of us who still love the idea of America and want it to be a better and more perfect union, but we want to hold on to our freedoms, do we have the courage to fight this battle? Because the leftists in this country, I often call them the Democrat media mob, but the leftists in this country seem to control the conversation, they control the use of language, they control the media. We have a, a, a conservative base in this country that is increasingly silenced, afraid to speak up, and actually being, uh, being kind of sent home to be quiet and don't get involved in the conversation. The left seems to own the culture war right now. So part of what we need to do those of us who want to hold on to America, to the America of the founding, the, the astonishingly and vital, important ideas upon which America was founded, we have to be willing to be warriors in the culture war. We have to be willing to speak up. We have to be willing, even though we know we may get slings and arrows and mockery, we have to be willing to speak up to be in the fight because this is exactly what we are facing in this country. It's a fight for the very heart and soul of America. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. Well, I'm going to talk to you about some of the ideas when I say that we're, we're in this uh, battle for the future of America and I, about leftism destroying America. You know, leftism, uh, I, I use that term, it's really, it should be like anti-American leftism. It's, and you can fill in the blank with synonyms, Marxism, socialism, communism, all those isms. The left has embraced all of those and all of those isms are locked, have locked arms, and they are in a valiant effort, in a valiant effort to take down the one, the, the, among the most fundamental, basic promises of America's founding. And, and bit by bit, they are managing to destroy pieces of America's culture. This is what the election battle is 20, in 2020. It's helping people see it. And so they don't get duped by the, the endless happy talk the left can come up with. The left, if anything else, is gifted with the ability to label the most monstrously intrusive un-American ideas as friendly and happy sounding as you know, fireworks on July 4th, you know, or uh, having a barbecue on July 4th and eating corn on the cob. The left manages to paint their ugly, tyrannical ideas in happy talk words and some Americans not paying attention get sucked in. So I'm gonna run through the ideas of how the left is destroying America. But what I really want to try to do in each of them is talk about how we can be able to talk about it. We should be able to talk about it. Conservatives, people who love this country, who want to hold on to the foundational liberties, we have to be able to talk about those ideas. First idea that the left is utterly destroying is the idea of the rule of law. And I'm gonna start with reminding you, there was an incident that we talked about when it happened. It happened uh, once the riots started in the cities around this country that uh, gave as their excuse the George Floyd uh, killing in Minneapolis. The George Floyd killing was wrong and terrible and the system is prosecuting the officers involved. But that wrong conduct by the Minneapolis police officers has nothing to do with the Black Lives Matter and Tifa riots destroying America's cities. We've shown videos of what America's cities look like today. And not just the destruction that happened in two or three days, 
ongoing destruction. In fact, I'm going to ask Matt the Wonderful from yesterday if he's able to dig up those videos we had of what was happening inside Portland. But now for right now, I want to ask you, uh, Matt the Wonderful, I want to remind you what happened. We were talking about the left's destruction of America. This is the left's destruction of the rule of law. Go back to the incident that I said. This is a clip I sent you today, Matt, which was about the uh, people who defended their own home in St. Louis uh, when they had uh, protesters and, and violent rioters invade their neighborhood. Here's a clip of what happened in St. Louis. Okay, the reason I want to remind you what happened, this is again, violent rioters in a private, on private property in St. Louis. And to tell you a little background, those rioters you were seeing, there's a few of them, it was a group of about 300, and they had actually, this is a gated community, which um, you may know what that's like, but there's a gate and you can't get in. I mean, I don't live in one, but some people do. You can't get into the community uh, unless you get through a gate and there's usually a guard and you have to give your name. And if you don't live there and you're not on the invited guest list of somebody, you can't get in. The rioters, because they wanted to get, I think it was to the mayor's house, someone's house they wanted to protest in front of, they literally physically broke down the iron gate protecting this private community, this gated community. They're onto these people's property, and this couple that you're seeing came out on, the, on their yard, in their, in their front yard, with guns drawn. The husband obviously has a rifle, the wife has a gun, and they're yelling, get out of here, get out of here, and the protesters were yelling at them. I want to just tell you what the protesters were threatening them with, just so you understand uh, why this became so alarming. So in, in Missouri, in St. Louis, Missouri, there's a prosecutor um, who decided she was going to bring charges. And this prosecutor, get to her in a second, named Kim Gardner. But first, let me tell you, the couple that you were seeing holding guns, their last name is McCloskey. The McCloskeys described what happened and why they got so alarmed. She said they're in their home. This is the wife. This is speaking about why they came out with their guns. They said they were going to kill us. They were going to come in there into their home. They were going to burn down the house. They're going to be living in our house after I was dead. They were pointing in different rooms and said, that's going to be my bedroom. That's going to be the living room. I'm going to go take a shower in that room. They were being threatened by a violent mob that had just torn down a privately owned gate to the entrance of private property. And they were, the people in this mob, were among those in, this, in the extreme violence America had been watching for days on their television following the George Floyd killing. So the couple brings out their guns and basically says, get out of here. They didn't fire their guns. Following that, the prosecutor in St. Louis, um, there's a, a prosecutor named Kim Gardner. Kim Gardner was assigned, was a, uh, is a St. Louis prosecutor. She announced she was going to charge them, charge Mark and Patricia McCloskey with felony unlawful use of a weapon and fourth degree assault. Okay, assault, at least when I was in law school, you have to actually touch someone, but okay, leave that alone. You have Mark and Patricia McCloskey were going to be charged with felony unlawful use of a weapon and fourth degree assault. And she said, and she, and, and this uh, Kim Gardner said, it's illegal to wave weapons in a threatening manner. It's unlawful in the city of St. Louis. And so she's going to prosecute them. Never discussed prosecuting 
the 300 rioters who destroyed private property by breaking down the iron gate that was the entrance to this gated community, they're not in trouble with her. Only the people trying to defend their private property. These were the people she found problematic. Uh, fortunately for those people, sanity does prevail some places in St. Louis. And there was a, um, first of all, Missouri's Attorney General, Eric Schmidt, described Gardner's move as a political prosecution and actually said it, it has a chilling effect on Missourians exercising the right to self-defense. And so he, this guy who is there, is the Missouri, um, sorry, Attorney General, Eric Schmidt, is, is saying this prosecutor is kind of crazy. Um, and finally, the governor of Missouri, Mike Parson, um, also weighed in and said he will pardon the couple if they're going to get prosecuted. And finally, the Missouri Attorney General filed to dismiss all charges against the McCloskeys, essentially saying, I won't stand by while Missouri law is being ignored. So you may think this is all a battle about you know, people in Missouri and who's got power and who's going to be prosecuted. Understand what this is as a piece of the left's war against America. This prosecutor named Kim Gardner, this woman prosecutor, was someone who came to power by being funded. Her campaign was funded when there were four, I think it was four Democrats running in St. Louis to be the circuit attorney in 2016. She ran for that. And her money, a significant contribution totaled in her campaign, came from George Soros's, uh, George Soros's magnificent billion-dollar pot, which he is constantly using to spread dissension, violence, and destruction of America. George Soros is not about seeking justice. He's not about seeking fairness. He's about destroying America. So he looks for prosecutors to back with campaign contributions because those prosecutors will allow things like the mob breaking into that neighborhood. That's, you know, that was okay with this prosecutor, and this is the kind of prosecutor he backs, but not okay if a couple on their own property, using their own lawfully owned weapons, brandishes their weapons and says, get off our property. That, that person gets prosecuted. So Kim Gardner, to be clear about it, where she got her money, it was a federally registered campaign committee called the Safety and Justice Committee. The leftists, they always come up with these great names, the Safety and Justice Committee. Absurdly trying, raising money to give to candidates who will not protect the safety of their community and who do not apply the concept of equal justice under the law, but they will promote the left-wing agenda instead of the agenda of the rule of law in America. By the end of her campaign, the total contribution coming from the Safety and Justice Committee was $190,000. So we're talking a big expenditure by George Soros four years ago now to buy his way into control over incidents like this. And on my subject of the left's attack on America for today, you have to understand, it's not just that this one prosecutor made that kind of decision, fortunately overruled by saner minds. It is that this is the kind of thing that Soros does. Soros money is fed all over left-wing America. Soros money is happily accepted by entities connected to Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama. It is not like Soros is some nefarious, you know, far off guy in a strange place and the mainstream Democrat party doesn't have anything to do with him. Oh, they love him and they support him and they take his money because he is funding what the leftists are trying to do to this country. It's really important to understand that. And the idea that President Trump is running for re-election 
and looking for, and I'm not saying he's asking me for advice about how to, what to run on, but the GOP in general running to get victory in this fall election ought to be talking about understanding this is what leftism thinks is their right place. This is how they participate in the concept of rule of law. They take money from Soros, who uses it, and Soros's money is spent to do things like buy into victory a prosecutor who will let things go, who will prosecute an innocent couple trying to defend their own property and will not prosecute a mob that actually committed crimes by destroying property. Those people don't get prosecuted. Just the people that fit the leftist agenda get prosecuted. And this is one way in which I say the left is at war with America. The left is at war with America. When you're hiring, and you're, you, you're George Soros and you're spending your time and money trying to get prosecutors like that woman in, you're saying, I'm going to destroy this country. I am not gonna have rule of law. We'll have rule of law as the leftists want it. Next element in my, my kind of diatribe today about leftists trying to destroy America. You know, we use the expression cancel culture, and sometimes I think it's kind of a, people think it's maybe just a little bit too harsh. Uh, you know, cancel culture really just consists of, you know, just kind of a, um, maybe we are a little too harsh in criticizing people's speech. You know, cancel culture is just a, you know, so people can't use language they don't want to use. But cancel culture is far, far worse than that. I want to tell one story about Tucker Carlson. You may have seen this, but Tucker Carlson, uh, who's a very, very popular Fox host and one of the very few remaining shows on Fox where he actually brings up the important issues and argues them from the conservative perspective. For those of you who, I mean, I, I'm not a big television watcher to be clear, but Fox used to be what many conservatives would go to for their news. And it has over the recent years because of a shift in their ownership uh, become far more, um, far less conservative, only has a few really solid conservative shows left. Tucker Carlson's one of them. So Tucker Carlson revealed in his show a couple days ago, I guess it was, about how he had, um, had, had come to his attention that the New York Times is looking to run a story revealing where he lives with his wife and four children. The New York Times, because they hate him, the New York Times wanting to not just argue with positions that Tucker Carlson holds on various issues facing America, but threaten him, this is called doxing, putting his private personal information out, like where he lives, his address, in order to threaten him. And I wanna make really clear why this is so, so absurd and what a sign about the New York Times and how the left functions in attacking America and the cancel culture. There is nothing newsworthy about where Tucker Carlson lives. It doesn't make any difference to any news story in this country. But the New York Times was, as Tucker Carlson revealed in his show, planning to run, letting America know his address, his home address. This is in a time where we're watching mobs in the streets, destroying private property, burning cars, smashing windows, stealing things, threatening people. We just watched the mob show up in St. Louis at somebody's neighborhood and threaten this woman who described, read to you what she had to say. They were threatening them in their home and this is that in this era when the mob mentality is just leading the democrat party leading the left the new york times is okay with and somehow thinks is newsworthy or justified to run tucker carlson's address what i'm getting at is the left is invested in shutting down 
anyone who dares to expose anything that they don't like. When Tucker Carlson speaks the truth about the Black Lives Matter that is rooted in Marxism, that the Black Lives Matter organization does not care about black lives, they care about pushing Marxism, that the Black Lives Matter is intimately connected with Antifa, which is a very public fascist group designed and determined to take down America, to destroy America. Black Lives Matter locks arms with them and Tucker Carlson reports it. And this is the New York Times essentially saying, look, if you say things we don't like, we're going to destroy you. We're going to make you feel afraid to speak at, uh, when you're at your show, to speak the, the truth. This is the New York Times using their, and I will say, I think it's a diminishing readership, but still, it's a flagship kind of thing. New York Times using their power and their influence to threaten people because of their political views. That's what they're saying to Tucker Carlson, because you dare to say things we don't like, we're going to threaten you. And so, you know, if you're Tucker Carlson or you're maybe a less confident person, you're somebody who's a little bit unsure of whether how safe you feel, you might say, you know what? I think I'm just going to shut up. On second thought, I'm going to shut up. I'm not going to go to the, um, you know, to the lengths I would. I'm not going to tell the stories I would because after all, I don't want my house attacked. I don't want the mob at my front door. I don't want my wife and children at home to feel unsafe. This is a, I mean, there is no ugly word bad enough for what the New York Times is doing in this case. Not anything close to describing how evil it is and with the very evil intention of silencing political conversation in this country. You know, back to my rule of law point I was making a moment ago about the McCloskeys. There are actually two other stories I want to quick throw in that just kind of are windows on how the left thinks about America and how leftists think about the rule of law. McCloskey's, they're saying, you know, we're going to prosecute people for defending their property, but not the actual criminals who destroyed property. They don't get prosecuted. In the case of Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, we've been talking about him. And I won't go into all the details again because we've covered it many times. But right now, we, there is the, the phase that we're at in that case is that the trial judge, Emmett Sullivan, has made a motion to try to ask the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals instead of having him having to follow the law, which is what the three-judge panel of the circuit court said, told me he had to follow the law, he's saying he wants to have an entire hearing before the, it's called en banc, the entire uh, lineup of judges on the circuit court in the, D, in the D.C. circuit. So he's banking on the fact that they are Democrat majority appointed. You know, I, I went over it the other day, the numbers on the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, they're all, you know, there's a vast, a significant majority Democrat appointed judges, and he figures they'll go along with him. And so, fortunately for Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, Sidney Powell, the attorney who's been on the show many times, but Sidney Powell, the attorney for uh, Michael Flynn, has filed a motion even saying no, no en banc hearing. There's nothing to argue here. There's no basis in law for what the judge is doing. And I'm getting at the point for you to understand when I say the left doesn't respect the rule of law, they'll get a Kim Gardner who will not prosecute the right people, but she prosecutes someone for defending themselves. You get the example of Lieutenant General Michael Flynn and the rule of law. You're sitting in Washington and everyone who has paid any attention, or certainly if you've been to law school, you know, Judge Emmett Sullivan has no other option, legal option available to him than to dismiss all charges against Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, because that's what the DOJ said to do. And so, but he wants to make up charges 
act like a prosecutor, see if you can maybe uh, hold a hearing based on his own desire to prosecute him for something the DOJ is not prosecuting him for. He's stepped out of his bounds uh, as, a, as a federal uh, district court judge into a can't I be a prosecutor to and get after this guy. There is not an iota, a scintilla of legitimacy to what Sullivan is doing. And Sullivan knows it. And the Circuit Court of Appeals judge knows it. But what they also know is that this is the Democrat agenda to get Flynn because they think if you get Flynn, it hurts Trump. This is the politicization, politicization of the legal process in this country. This is the idea the left is so determined to destroy Trump, to get rid of him, that if they have to have a federal district court judge embarrass himself in front of the country and demand something that has no basis in law, they can get him to do it, and he'll do it. And now he's trying to get the entire circuit court to, to hear the case because he's banking on their political leanings to back him up, even though there is not any basis in law for what he is doing. So Sidney Powell, thank goodness, at least she's filing, she's filing opposition, even to the idea of the en banc hearing, just saying there's nothing, there's no argument to be made. There's no law that backs up what they're trying to do. So why are we doing this? But in today's discussion, this is another aspect of the idea the left will not honor the rule of law, a fundamental building block of America to have a rule of law. The left is saying no rule of law for us. You know what? Rule is we want to get Trump. We don't care what the law is. We don't care about the separation of powers. We don't care that Emmett Sullivan has no authority to do what he's doing. We're going to push it because maybe it'll help us win the political battle and get Trump. This is where the left is coming from on that case. And it is an outrage. Third outrage. We've been over so many times in this case, but again, related the rule of law and the left is just destruction of America as their agenda has to do with the fact that we are sitting here in July of 2020 and I'm going to tell you folks well over half of America and maybe three quarters of America is perfectly aware that the FBI and DOJ engaged in an in a in a tactic in a in an assault in a coup against President Trump seemingly orchestrated by CIA director Brennan. So you have Brennan orchestrating the entire effort during the Trump campaign during 2015 and 16, cooking up charges against him, trying to implicate people who were innocent, cooking up a completely false dossier to get to go to get to, to fraudulently obtain search warrants from FISA to allow these warrants to spy on the Trump campaign. You have all of that. You have all that that has come out from that because of the uh, tenacity of the House when they have the Republican majority uh, going after this and trying to get to the root of what happened. And we sit here in July of 2020, most of America aware that you had a long list of people inside the CIA, DOJ, FBI, probably National Security Agency, on, the, on this plan to destroy this man because they don't like Trump, because Trump will not let them continue business as usual. And we don't even have yet, we don't have yet any hint of actually moving forward with prosecutions. We have statements coming that, you know, Durham is probably close. Attorney General Barr is saying probably close. But you talk about people lost of the rule of law. If you don't have the rule of law in a country, you have absolute bedlam. You have law of the jungle. You have the most powerful wins. He who has the most money, the most friends in the right places gets their way. And the poor little guy just has to put up with it because no rule of law will protect him. That is where we are in rule of law. And that's what the left is telling you 
in this election cycle as they have worked the entire time President Trump has been in office, entire time, to legitimize the farce of the Russian hoax to legitimize it, to pretend it was real, to pretend it was ongoing. Hillary Clinton is still out there making statements, and, and, and she was in the middle of concocting it. She was in the middle of concocting it with her campaign's involvement in cooking up the dossier, and she's still out there staring the American public in the national television into the camera saying that, you know, and Russia, Trump is probably still an agent of the Russians, and, and still no accountability, no integrity, and this is making people a little bit angry at the idea that we don't seem to be able to enforce the rule of law. But the topic for today I'm tr really trying to get at is you have to have rule of law or you don't have America, and, and there ought to be an ability of the Republicans to run on this as a central issue. You have to have rule of law or else you have chaos. Another example of the American, of the left American left simply working to destroy America has to do with the control of speech and free speech and the shutting down of conservative voices. This is related to Tucker Carlson's story where he's being threatened because he's the most outspoken and, um, and pointed among Fox, among most ho talk show hosts generally on, on uh, Fox, speaking up saying, there's very, very serious problems inside the, uh, our, what's happening in America and the protests and Black Lives Matter. And, and the left's answer is, we'll, just, we'll threaten your family until you shut up. That is the answer of the New York Times. But other kinds of examples of what kind of society, what kind of country, what kind of future we'll have if you let the left get in control. Today's left get in control of America has to do with speech. And I'll just give you two examples. At Syracuse University which um, upstate New York uh, and Syracuse, uh, there's, you know, this, they always have a left wing bias in almost every college, not every, but almost every Syracuse University students have said, oh, yeah, there's a left wing bias. But they've had really high tensions the last few years. Over the past two months, multiple conservative students at Syracuse University have been threatened with assault and murder. Student leaders, student conservatives speaking up, threatened with assault and murder. Even more troubling, a large portion of these threats have come from other Syracuse University students and graduates. When media tries to contact the university and the chancellor there, whose name is Ken um, Cyberud, uh, no answer. No answer. U the university is not even going to talk about what they're going to do about these threats against conservative students. And there's a woman who wrote a column uh, in Life Zet, and she was basically talking about the statistics that are actually accurate, that come from the FBI, that address the question of whether or not there actually is institutional racism within the police department and their conduct in engaging in shootings, whether the police really have, based on data, um, statistically more likely to kill young black Americans, that, or not young, but black Americans versus other Americans. The data has been out there, it's from University of Michigan, it's been talked about a lot. And so this person wrote an article just basically saying, if you measure the data based on the, the criteria of interactions with the police. You know, wh whether you're more likely to be involved in a shooting if there's an interaction by a black citizen with the police versus a white citizen with the police, you discover the answer from the data is there is no institutional violence, institutional racist violence against black Americans that it can be backed up by statistical fact. She ran that in a, a column she wrote. Two days later, this person was fired from the school newspaper, The Daily Orange, 
called in, called um, a, her article, even though she was very careful in her tone and her language and her very, very careful, racist undertones, um, has received hundreds if not thousands of vile messages from peers calling her racist, white supremacist, awful person, blah, blah. Similar things are happening here in the great state of Texas. University of North Texas College Democrats are allying with, if you can believe we have a group on a college campus, allying with Satanists, like people who worship Satan, I guess, and witches to try and shut down the school's chapter of young conservatives of Texas. Threats, angry things, ugly, um, ugly, uh, not accusations, but ugly threats made by these uh, college Democrats, Satanists and witches, against young conservatives of Texas chapter, and the school so far has not been particularly helpful. And I raised this story to tell you, we're on this theme today about how the left is destroying America. This shutting down of conservative speech, whether it's Tucker Carlson telling the stories he does, whether it's conservatives on college campuses trying to talk about facts, data, about whether or not it's fair for the left to characterize police, uh, policing in America as institutionally racist or not, you're not even allowed to discuss facts. The left, leftism is all about power, control, tyranny, and bullying. The left is forever and always seeking power, but they do it under the guise of saying, we're standing up for a particular minority group, we're standing up for black Americans, we're standing up for women, we're standing up for whoever it is they claim. They always have a motive, they say, that makes people go, well, that's pretty, that's, no, they're just trying to look out for you know, some group. At the end of the day, leftists in this country and around the world, this isn't just happening in America. There is a, I mean, I'm talking about the war in America between those who want to retain America, America the free, America the equal opportunity, America the just, America with the rule of law, America with borders, America with a system of free markets that, that invites everyone to succeed and join that America or the America the left is offering our country, the future of America the left is offering, which is always consistent with tyranny, silencing, shutting down, no speech allowed, no conversation allowed. Uh, the one banner they do this under is hate speech. At the end of the day, people are silenced by leftists because it's too scary to speak up. But let me tell you, if we all agree to that, we say, well, okay, well, I don't wanna be the one that's called X, Y, Z, and we all shut up, then the left wins. Because, and, and the left knows this. This is why they engage in this tactic, because they know that there are a lot of people who are not going to go along with the idea that, that there, there's too many, the left does this because it shuts people up. And they don't, and people are not gonna speak up if they're afraid of what the left is going to do to them. And the similar thing, cancel culture and Tucker Carlson. We could run through example after example. Corporations in this country simply salute to the left. The left says, you gave money and you advertised on such and such show. That's it. You're shut down. And people uh, and corporations find it easier to salute to the militant, tyrannical left than to say what they really think. They find it easier to just salute to what the left tells them to think. It's easier to say, okay, uh, we as such and such corporation, we will stop doing business with so-and-so, uh, we will not advertise here, uh, we will stop, uh, whatever it is they're, they're being demanded to do. All sorts of corporations surrender 
to the bullying of the left because it's easier than standing up for their right to speak. The other day, I was going to get into the story and I didn't, but there's a uh, company that manufactures um, and sells um, I mean that uh, packages and sells uh, food, the Goya, G-O-Y-A, Goya company. And they have, uh, you know, I, I, I actually never bought their food, but they have things that are for uh, cooking Mexican food. They have beans and salsas and all sorts of uh, ingredients people might like to use at home uh, that are to make, that are related to Mexican food. They may sell lots of other food too, I don't know. But the point I make and why I'm telling you the story is the, the guy who heads up Goya, I don't have the story with me, so I've forgotten his name, but the guy who heads up Goya actually was invited to the White House and, and he went to the White House, he had a happy smiley picture with Trump and said something nice about Trump. And the left said, you know what, that's it. You are not allowed to smile on a camera and be on camera with President Trump. You are not allowed to go to the White House. You're not allowed, you run a, a, an organization, a, by the way, Hispanic family owned company, Hispanic family owned company. You're not allowed to go to the White House and say nice things about President Trump or have your picture with him. So they tried to, and this was AOC among others, tried to institute a boycott against Goya Foods because they want to punish the company. And this is, again, when I tell you the left, they're brutal, they're intolerant, they are about control and tyranny. They tried to shut down this company, boycott them until the company would say, okay, okay, we're sorry, we surrender. We'll never say anything nice about President Trump again. We promise we'll never say a word. But what happened instead, which was really great, was that conservatives got wind of this and they decided to buy Goya Foods. So the same day that the left was doing the boycott, they went to the boycott thing. So they bought as much as they could. On the way home from the show one day, I was curious, as I said, I've never even bought their food. We do love Mexican food. We always have it out. I don't really cook it at home. I'm not sure I do a very good job at that. But anyway, I stopped in a grocery store to try to buy some, uh, I just wanted to see what they have. You, I got into the aisle in the grocery store and you're looking down, there's a whole empty swath uh, in, the, in this row and that was the Goya Foods. It had been bought out. I mean, everyone went in to try to buy Goya Foods because they don't like this cancel culture. Shut up. No one dares speak about um, anything left doesn't like. So, uh, I, you know, on this, on this theme today, I'm, you know, I, I kicked off the show starting to talk about how there are just concerns that, the, um, that President Trump, maybe his numbers aren't looking so good. Uh, and, you know, allegedly some Republicans are kind of who are running for reelection are kind of hedging back, not too sure if they want to stand by Trump. I'm not so sure that's true, by the way. When you read this story that had that as a headline, that Republicans were hedging back from Trump, it was like Mitt Romney. Okay, Mitt Romney has never supported anything conservative, any person conservative, and he's been on Trump's case since day one. So not worried about him. Uh, other ones were just vague allusions to, um, you know, to the uh, people maybe not supporting every single policy Trump had, but the headline made it sound like there were large swaths of the Republican Party running for re-election who were just kind of backing up from Trump. I don't think so. I think that is wishful thinking on the part of some writers. But I do want to talk about the issue today and getting this is the last issue of the day in terms of the left destroying America. The issue where President Trump is really floundering in the polls has to do with COVID and the coronavirus. And that is the area where it, the polling is showing that people are saying they love Trump and the economy, they love Trump and the border security, but where he is uh, making people nervous, supposedly, and that, and that there's some huge difference in polling saying people think that Biden would do a better job than Trump has to do with coronavirus and COVID policy. And that's why I want to talk about the last policy today when I say the left is destroying America. 
everyone understands that this virus, you know, came from China. We talked about the history of it many times in the show. We obviously were, everyone's looking into the fact that it appears that the virus was actually in America last year, 2019, even though we weren't familiar with it yet, didn't really know about it. And then to 2020, we've gotten into where, so here we are in July of 2020, we had a massive hit on the American economy. We had a massive shutdown of our country over fears related to the COVID virus, to, to, the, to the coronavirus and to COVID-19. A massive, massive um, impact on the economy and almost worse than the massive impact on the economy was the growing sense among some Americans that we weren't quite sure how to handle this, that maybe we aren't on top of this, maybe we're not really doing everything, everything right. You know, we, we think where we are, but we, and you had the Democrat media mob, the left-wing mob that runs a lot of mainstream media in this country, you have had them since day one, piling on President Trump, criticizing President Trump, questioning how he handled it, claiming that he didn't handle this well and he should have done that better and he and you know he's the one we're in this big mess because of him it's all his fault you have the left selling this narrative and it is is hurting president trump i mean the left understand the left that they you know that old expression rama Emanuel was the one i believe that first used the expression about never let a good crisis go to waste the left has pounced on the coronavirus as a crisis that they can use to destroy President Trump. This is the plan, this is what they're thinking about, this is what they're doing. And I wanna point out, so here we are in July of 2020, some things, first of all, just as evidence of how much the left is invested in using the virus to keep the economy suppressed, to keep people questioning President Trump, to keep people cowering in their homes in fear, let me say one story, and then I'm going to get to how get really talking about uh, Fauci. But one quick story. So the American Academy um, of Pediatrics in this country, you know, the, the children's doctors, came out with a statement in June, unambiguous statement in June, saying all policy considerations for the coming school year, based on all that they knew, very strong advocacy for, we should start. We should start with the goal of having students physically present in school. They went through the whole litany of, you know, why their students are not particularly at risk. They're, they don't tend to be contagious. I mean, they had reason, 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 tons of data saying, of course, we should open school in the fall. The pediatricians, but they failed to uh, contact and run their position by, their professional opinion by, the American left that quickly pounced on them and said, oh, no, 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 you, know, you can't really be thinking about that. And so within some period of time, since June, the last, whatever, seven weeks, they, they published updated guidance, They're kind of backpedaling, well, you know, we're not too sure about this, and you really got to be listening to the uh, local officials, and who are we to say, the left bullies everyone. The left bullies corporations, they, they bully the American Academy of Pediatrics, they bully business owners, they bully the American people, they bully, they bully to get their way. And so the idea that if schools open and everything nor seems normal again, then the left loses their ability to use the coronavirus to attack President Trump. And I want to tell you something else you may not realize about the coronavirus, or you may if you listen to my show, but... Did you realize that, so we got in this reaction to coronavirus, you had Dr. Fauci, you know, the NIH guy, the guru and expert, you know, came out right away saying, well, we've got to try a shutdown. 
And I think that'll really help. Guidelines, everybody stay home, non-essential people stay home, non-essential businesses, blah, blah. Not an edict, not an order from Washington, but that was recommended by Fauci. And so, you know, Trump goes along. He's not a doctor. He goes, well, okay. And the state governments pretty much went along. But did you know, did you realize that as far back as April, there have been doctors around this country. We are now talking thousands of doctors who have weighed in against the lockdowns Dr. Fauci recommended, including a Nobel Prize winning biophysicist, thousands of doctors. It started with first a letter, over 600 doctors sent a letter in May to President Trump saying, this lockdown is crazy. There's no reason to be doing this. We've never done this when we are dealing with a with this kind of virus and contagion. Completely unnecessary. Don't do the shutdown. So that was 600 doctors signed on to this in May. Since that time, it's over a thousand doctors have signed on to that. And, and so we have doctors telling President Trump, you don't need to to continue the shutdown mode. We need to get back to life, let people go back to work, let people go back to businesses. Doctors talking about masks are unhealthy, except in certain rare circumstances, masks are unhealthy for people. And yet what has prevailed, and what I'm getting about the left is, what has prevailed is the left has pounced on the advice Dr. Fauci gave, right when we knew about the virus, it said, shut down everything, everybody stay home. And this is the continuing standing wisdom and mission of the left. We have not had, we have not adjusted our policy to make up for the fact that the original prediction numbers, which we talked about in the show at great length, but originally these predictions came in that millions of Americans would die. And then there was of course a correction by this Dr. Neil Ferguson in London, very soon after, three or four weeks later said, actually, you know what? My numbers are way, 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 way off. We're just talking about a small number but we still are conducting our response to COVID as though those numbers were right, that those big predictions were right. We're still in this country suppressing, not just that we are listening to one particular doctor, but we are suppressing both our, our uh, willingness to open the country up. And on top of that, in America, we have the medical establishment the NIH, Fauci, Burks, and those types continuing to mock the idea that other effective treatments might exist, that other effective treatments could actually help bring relief from coronavirus. We've had on this show, Dr. Bartlett's been on this show a couple of times, three times, I think, talking about his treatment that involves the use of an inhaled steroid called budesonide, and it is that use the nebulizer, you inhale it, and he's had tremendous success in actually treating and patients getting better. We've had Dr. Robin Armstrong from Houston. We've, uh, we've interviewed Dr. Yvette Lozano other times talking about their very successful treatment of patients with hydroxychloroquine. But I'm telling you all this to say this, President Trump's numbers are, are in trouble supposedly because they don't think he's handling the coronavirus as well as, as people delusionally think that Biden would. But I wanna make the, this point. I think that there needs to be and there can be a shift in messaging from Washington away from whatever Fauci says to we actually need to believe in the ability of the other doctors in this country. We actually need to listen. We don't have to just cower in fear at home under coronavirus and COVID restrictions. 
when we have other doctors saying, you know what, masks are bad, uh, the lockdown's a terrible idea, it's definitely fine to go back to school, and we have treatments that are working, and we have patients who are recovering from coronavirus, from very serious cases, recovering under the, with these treatments, and there are probably other treatments too. And so I'm getting at the idea that the suffering that America has gone through in this coronavirus has been in significant part due to our continuing to salute to the Fauci instituted policies, Dr. Fauci policies, that are simply unwilling to acknowledge the reality that the death rates are dropping down. The death rates are very low. Death rates are, are way, way down. And we have treatments that are effective. And the third sin, whatever, of Dr. Fauci, beside never touting the death rates and death rates declining and how well we're doing on that, never admitting these other treatments are working. And, and patients and doctors are giving testimonials saying, I, I swear this works. Fauci will have none of it, does not want to acknowledge these other treatments because he's on the role of the vaccines. But the worst thing out of Fauci and everyone in Washington is the failure to rebut the effort of the American left, the American left, to continue to perpetuate the fear by blasting headlines with numbers related to new cases. And this is the final specific thing on Fauci today. Originally, when we were talking about the coronavirus and COVID-19, we were talking about flattening the curve, and the goal was to try to have fewer people get infected and become uh, and need hospitalization because we want to be sure we had enough hospital beds. So we didn't want to have so many people become infected and need hospitalization and be unable to care for them. So we flattened that curve, but very subtly, and I've talked about this in the show before, but it matters when I tell you this COVID virus issue is being politically manipulated by the left to hurt President Trump. We shifted from how many cases are serious and involve hospitalization to the measure how many tests people are testing positive. And we act like testing positive, these blaring headlines of large numbers of people testing positive, as all that is proof that we are failing in our coronavirus policy. There needs to be more direct, firm statements out of Washington, out of these upcoming press conferences the president's going to resume, related coronavirus that says, understand the headlines that say new cases are not necessarily a cause for alarm. We had on our show last week, we had uh, Dr. Richard Bartlett from uh, Midland and also Congressman Abraham, who also happens to be a doctor, who was saying the same thing. These rise in cases, these headlines screaming, X number of new cases, my gosh, we're doing a terrible job handling this. They mean they don't matter. New cases, in fact, can be a positive thing. More people exposed, more people developing antibodies, more people contributing to herd immunity, all of that could be happening. But we have allowed this coronavirus and COVID-19 thing to grab America and hold us in the, in the grip of fear, in the grip of, of we all better stay home, cancel life, cancel America, cancel our, our economy, cancel our jobs, cancel our businesses. We've, al <clears throat> excuse me, we've allowed the left, we've allowed the left to grab hold of this issue and orchestrate it because we haven't been good enough on our side in pushing back and saying that we have treatments that are working. We should be listening to the doctors who are telling us they have treatments that are working. This is our job as patriots in this country. It's the job of the people in Washington running on this. We do not need to run from or hide from the, uh, the way in which America has handled the coronavirus. We need instead 
to tout that we have handled it well, that we are on track, that we do have the brilliance of American doctors who are finding solutions and stop letting that and stop letting the left win the narrative on this because they keep putting up new headlines about numbers of cases. But the real point today, I always get off on COVID because I'm so bothered by how America has just been just been mesmerized into fear, into a, in a disease that has a 99% recovery rate. A 99% recovery rate. That's what coronavirus has. And yet it is actually seemingly going to impact the fall elections that President Trump, because people claim he's not handling the virus well, that that could actually dictate the outcome of an election when, we're at, when, when the real fact is, the real case is, that we have a virus that has 99% recovery rate. We have great doctors in America bringing new treatments into play and people are discovering they work and they're putting out their stories telling America that they're working. We need to stop agreeing that that is something that we need to be touting the success of the American system rather than the uh, the, the way the left is trying to dictate this as a, and, and frankly, Fauci is a huge problem because Dr. Fauci is intending, he seems still to be just committed down the path of uh, very wary, uh, you know, kind of damning with faint praise, any other treatment other than just sit at home and wait for uh, the vaccine, still not willing to acknowledge we could open America up, even though now you have thousands of doctors writing to President Trump saying, you gotta open everything up and put that message out because what President Trump says will dictate the actions at least of Republican governors. Democrat governors are still using this, very obviously using this virus to keep their economy shut down to hurt Trump's reelection. I want to, one more quick thing and then I'm gonna to get to uh, the double down on truth. But I just wanna talk about America in 2021 very briefly and the truth about America and America's future. What the left has succeeded in doing, I, I was thinking back to, you know, we talked about uh, right after the time on July 3rd when President Trump gave his speech at Mount Rushmore, and it was a great speech. I played segments of it. We talked about what he was saying. There was a great speech. Part of what he did in that speech was to speak for the first time much more openly and directly about the idea that there are forces in this country on the left that simply want to radically destroy America, radically change America, radically take away America's freedom. What the left is doing in this country, the determination to destroy the founding values of America, this is what the left is. I, was, I commended President Trump's speech on that July 3rd at Mount Rushmore because he was very eloquent. He gave examples and he was exactly right that what the left is doing is extremely destructive to our country. That's what Trump said on July 3rd. And he was, and this is, I, I think, the beginning of the ability in of all of us to be talking about what we're going to do in, in 2020, you know, what we're going to stand for, what we are, what our party to stand for. The idea we're going to say, we are the party that wants to continue America's heritage of freedom. We're the party that is going to stand up against the cancel culture that is silencing speech on America's campuses. We're going to stand up against a cancel culture that is forcing American businesses to salute to the radical American left. We're going to stand up for law and order in the cities in our country. We are not going to allow these Democrat mayors and other Democrat officials, we're not going to allow them to let BLM and Antifa destroy this country. But the other, so there's a need to expose the left. 
But the other and the more positive way, and I'll wrap up the show by, uh, today, is saying this. Part of what the left has succeeded in doing through the 1619 Project the New York Times is doing, through their relentless attacks on America, through their characterization of America as an evil country, through what they've done in the education system. So kids leave high school and college and grad school thinking that America is an evil country with a horrible past. The left has succeeded in equating American patriotism with white supremacy, equating American patriotism, patriotism, love of America with racism. And that is an evil, evil thing the left is doing and is right for and needed for our side to speak up more firmly and absolutely and powerfully and happily and positively about the idea of America, the real America that I think millions and millions of Americans still know exists. Millions of Americans know what the goodness of America is. I think President Trump can speak and others running in federal office can speak positively about the goodness, the nobility of the American people, the nobility of the medical profession in our country, finding solutions for coronavirus that are helping people, that are bringing people that are actually effective treatments because we have a wonderful, robust, more or less still free market healthcare system. We need to be speaking in positive terms about the goodness of America, the goodness of the American people, the nobility, the rightness of the American people, the, the generosity of the American people. We need to be praising the American people and how good they are, how good this country is, because it will help expose what the left is really saying to America, which is the leftist message to America is that America is a really, really bad place. When you can't, on the left, call America a deeply racist country, but say, but I'm not calling people racist. Of course they are. Force the American left to acknowledge what they are doing. They are attacking all of America as racist and all of America as selfish and evil and all the things, all the ways they're characterizing America as a bad country. They are insulting, they are accusing the American people of those things. So on the right, to wrap up today, I will say, on this, going back to the beginning of the show, I was talking about what it is exactly we can be running on. We need to be running on on the, on the, on the pro-America side, on the real America side, on the love America side, the idea that America is still the most extraordinary experiment in human liberty ever to bless this earth. That, that individual rights matter, that freedom of speech matters, freedom of religion matters, that we reject, we'll fight against the cancel culture. We will not allow the destruction of the American cities. We will insist on law and order. We will insist on the equal rule of law. So we're going to prosecute people who engage in wrongdoing. Everyone from the people who broke down that, that gate into a, a gated community in St. Louis to the officer in Minneapolis who engaged in, in, in the deadly conduct toward George Floyd. We have a rule of law and everybody's subject to it. If we don't have that rule of law, we don't have America. If we don't have a city where you feel safe on the streets because we've had crime growing in this country, you don't, you lose a piece of America. There's so much goodness about America. I think our side needs to be praising the American people, speaking up for the goodness of the American people, and, and really cornering the left into either agreeing that America is a great country full of good people, which they cannot do because they spend all their time attacking the American people, 
or at the very least, you're exposing what the left is really saying. The American leftists have gotten themselves to the point. I'm talking about the prosecutor who can't go after people who break down a fence into a gated community. I'm talking about prosecutors around this country, letting the destruction of their cities happen, letting takeovers happen. They've gotten themselves to the place the left has in this country. They cannot stand up for law and order. They cannot stand up for the rule of law. They cannot protect their citizens. They will not protect their law-abiding citizens. They will protect the mob instead of the law-abiding American citizens. And we need to put it to the American people that starkly. You can have a future that looks like Portland burning down, which we showed yesterday, or a future where we demand and expect that everyone complies with the rule of law. And when you do engage in violent conduct and you do burn down buildings and you do smash windows, you will be prosecuted. It, there is just a need to paint two radically different pictures of America's future. And you tell America, we tell America, the side they're gonna to wanna to be on. Because I don't really think all these Americans who are you know, supposedly unsettled and kind of wondering which way to go in the fall, they don't want their city to become Portland. Portland doesn't want to be Portland. The law-abiding citizens there do not want to have what's happening. They don't have a government standing up for them. So I think that the, the conservative side, the, the pro-America side, can be very positive, very upbeat, very on track with the messaging that we stand up for the idea of America and the America and the future we're going to create is the future you really want for this country. And what the left is going to create is utter destruction of this precious country. I'm way past out of time on my show today. So I'm going to turn and tell you, as I like to at the end of every show, why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started in our very first segment today. We talked about the GOP's quandary, what to run on in 2020. The mainstream media and the Democrats are selling and soaking gloom everywhere, and Americans are feeling it. Do not be fooled or manipulated. Donald Trump in 2016 defied the, the Beltway Club, the Uniparty, the Swamp, and the Globalists, and he stood up for the American heritage of freedom and free people. And Americans said yes, and it's about time. The American ruling class has hated him ever since, deploying every conceivable political tactic into destroying him because of his threat to their power and status. And now the radical left has seized the opportunity to destroy America. Knowing the ruling class won't resist because of their desire to destroy Trump, America's survival is truly now at stake. We are in a war. Awake American people must win it with truth, clarity, courage, and resolve. On leftism destroying America, the damage and debris from the leftist assault are piling up for everyone to see. The rule of law is mocked and turned against truth. The St. Louis couple charged for self-defense against a mob. A federal judge, Emmett Sullivan, goes utterly lawless to keep Flynn tied down. Millions know the reality of the Russia collusion hoax, but the perpetrators roam free. The New York Times takes cancel culture to, the new, to a level of enabling personal violence on Tucker Carlson and his family. Universities, Syracuse, UNT, go silent in defense of fundamental free speech rights, prolonging the fear of pandemic to destroy the economy, keep schools closed. COVID data long ago showed America overreacted. Lethality rate is comparable to a bad flu. Had America known then what it knows now, no shutdowns would have happened. So why now are we still in this quasi-shutdown mode? A massive assault on truth and the American way of life. Americans must not be bullied. Stand for truth. And finally, why it matters to you, 
America has a brilliant, blessed heritage. America is filled with good and decent and noble people. America is not systemically racist. It is not systemically unjust. Freedom is precious. It is exceptional in human history, and human beings of every kind know it and love it. Individual freedom and responsibility under God with government's purpose to honor and protect this idea is the most ennobling, empowering organizational principle in history. The radical left hates God, hates freedom, hates individuality, and prohibits all dissent from its views. Americans are witnessing the starkest possible contrast of visions for the future, and there is only one right choice. Speak the truth about America and stand up for it in 2020, or we just could lose it. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time, to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Can you hear us now? America Can We Talk. Truth about America. Can you